Gracious Father, we pause for a moment to collect our thoughts, uh, to focus our minds in such a way that we can receive your truth. We ask that your spirit would guide us in all truth, that as we realize that the only hope that there is in this world uh, is in you, uh, is through your son, Jesus Christ, whom you sent, uh, who you shined upon us uh, as he took on human flesh and dwelt among us, uh, that all the things that this world has to offer are always empty, always end in hurt and pain. Uh, and so, Father, we look to the things that are eternal, uh, which comes to the place where you dwell uh, in uh, heavenly places uh, as the one who is enthroned above high. Uh, and so, Father, we ask that you would guide our, our time together, that your spirit would teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll turn to Psalm 80, uh, and we're not going to reread uh, uh, the entirety of Psalm 80. We're going to be taking a look at some different things. But before we dive into the hope that we have in light of the fact of some things that this psalm points out, I'd like to begin by uh, reading a quote by someone that I would really love to meet someday because this individual uh, is very wise and has said many things. Uh, and so we're going to listen to what Anonymous has to say to us. <laughs> it has been said that man can live, with, uh, uh, live about 40 days without food, about three days without water, and about eight minutes without air, but only one second without hope. You know, the thing is, is that there are many things in our world that rob us of hope. Uh, and even as we take a look at the world in which we live, uh, you know, there are things that happen. Uh, there, as we looked at the psalm and it talked about the, the tears that they ate and drank, uh, things happen so much so that it can rob individuals of any sort of hope. As it were, it's as if you're ripping the heart out of their chest. Uh, because all hope is lost. Uh, and the thing is, as we look through the, the time from the beginning of time, even going all the way back to the Garden of Eden, we can see that uh, hope uh, was taken away uh, when Adam and Eve sinned against God and they were removed from the Garden. And they needed to be reminded that there was a hope that God had uh, that was going to come, uh, and that was going to be the Lord Jesus Christ. But we can take a look at different uh, biblical examples, and uh, I'm going to share one with you because uh, it actually will help us understand uh, that there are things that happen that are outside of our control. There are things that happen as a result of our actions that can rob us of hope, uh, so much so that you know, uh, we, we want to just give up and, and die, no longer to be part of that. Uh, and we can see our world filled with that each and every day. Uh, as people give up hope of living, uh, as they uh, take their lives, because there's nothing to live for, no hope to be had. And so I'd like to share with you, before we take a look at Psalm 80, uh, a passage in Acts chapter 27. Uh, and it, it speaks to a storm that uh, uh, Paul and the boat that he was on experienced at sea. Uh, and you need to understand as we begin, um, and I'm not going to read the whole text but Paul was sailing toward Rome uh, at this point, and a tempestuous wind called a northeaster, uh, which we're familiar with that term, northeaster, uh, living in New England, uh, and it overtook them. 
and they were violently storm-tossed. And the thing is, is uh, uh, they had to end up jettisoning their cargo and their tackle. Uh, And so before I read verses 20 through 25, I want you to understand that these are seasoned sailors, that they are familiar with the water that they're on, but the circumstances that led to them deciding to do what they did uh, are all part of circumstances that were outside of their control. And so this is where we pick it up in the, in the, the uh, text here in verse 20 of Acts 27. It says, When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest lay upon us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Well, he's not starting out very good here because he's starting out by telling them that they should have listened to him and they didn't. Verse 22 says, you now, uh, Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. So here you have these seasoned sailors who are at basically the last straw. They are ready to give in to to say that there is no hope. It says there in the text that all hope of being saved was at last abandoned. And so these seasoned sailors were at their, their, their last moment. And so what does Paul do? He comes in here, and you'll notice in those verses that he told him twice to take heart. Because that's what happens when all hope is lost. It's as if, you you, you know, internally your heart, your mind, and your soul all just give in and give up. And so what Paul wants to share with them is something that, for them in particular, may mean little. But to Paul himself means a great deal. Because you'll notice that he says for them to take heart, for he has faith in God that will be exactly as I have been told. See, there was no doubt in Paul's mind that if God told him that he needed to and would stand before Caesar, that there, it was going to happen. With surety, he was certain that what God said God was going to do. And see, the thing is, what God does in relation to restoring hope in a hopeless world is give us the truth, something that cannot be changed, cannot be altered. Now, man can suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Man can make a truth of his own to substitute for it, but that does not change the fact and the reality of the truth itself. All it is is a reworking of it and, you know, a justification of their thinking in their own mind. And we do that all the time in order to try and corral and to have hope still be in our lives each and every day, especially when things start to unravel, especially when things, you know, come in the threes, as we know, uh, that come and, and haunt us and end up, you know, taking away at times our very heart. I think COVID did that to a lot of people. 
There was so much fear, so much anxiety, so much um, information and misinformation that a lot of people lost hope. Are we ever going to get beyond this? Are we ever going to get past this? Is this going to be how life is forever? And the thing is, is people are looking for something to hope in. And so as we think about this time of year, as we think about the hope that can be had in God, the hope that Paul had that was sure that he could tell others that don't worry, the God whom I love, the God whom I worship will accomplish this. He will do this. He told me he would, and therefore it will happen. And see, that's what can give us a, a picture of what we can have in relation to hope and God himself. And that brings us to Psalm 80, uh, which hopefully you're there now. And we're just going to be taking a look at actually a couple of the verses in that psalm. But I want to begin this morning uh, by uh, sharing with you that there is hope in light of the fact that, first, God is the great shepherd. Psalm 80, verse 1 says, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. Now, Pastor Caden, last Sunday, if you were here, uh, did a, a, a great job of sharing uh, the 99 and the one sheep and talked about a shepherd uh, and what the shepherd does uh, in relation to taking care of the sheep. But the picture of a shepherd is someone who is a protector, who is a guide, who is one who is a provider. Uh, and Israel, as they are, find themselves at this point in uh, their existence, as Asaph is penning the words to this psalm and calling on God to be the very shepherd that he is. It reminded me of Joseph, uh, you know, uh, uh, Joseph's father, actually, Jacob. Because you, you notice in verse 1 there, it says, you who lead Joseph like a flock. So we're going to Joseph's father, Jacob. And it, when he reflected on God being a part of his life, he actually mentions that God had been his shepherd through uh, his whole life long to that day. Listen to what it says in Genesis chapter 48, verse 15. He says, And he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. See, someone who has a shepherd, someone who knows that they are being protected, someone who is going to be guided and provided for. You know, there is a, a hope in the uh, characteristics and the attributes of that shepherd, of what they will do. And, you know, Jacob, as well as, as he even you know, went back a couple more generations to Abraham and Isaac as well. The same God who has always existed is the God of hope. Because he is the great shepherd. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 and 25, we see here that Jesus is, is also referred to as that shepherd and overseer of our souls. Listen to what it says there in verses 24 and 25. He, speaking of Jesus, bore himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. That's the cross, which represents Christ's death. That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. 
See, something that brings hope into uh, the life of Israel at the the point when this was penned, but also can give hope to us today as we consider who God is uh, in light of everything that's going on in our world, is that we may seem as though we're on a ship with no captain. And the psalmist realized that, you know, Israel at that time needed a leader, needed someone to guide them, to bring them back, to restore them, to to restore hope in the fact that they were God's people and that he was going to continue to be their shepherd. Second, in in that same verse 1, there is hope in light of the fact that God is enthroned on high. Listen to what it says. It says, you are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. The second aspect uh, in relation to uh, hope that we can have is the fact that, that God, that while there is no other God, small g, like our God, because there is only one true God, a God who is above all, over all, who is glorious, who is wondrous, who is majestic, who is great, who is good. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 145. He says, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. See, what brings hope into the lives of those who are hopeless is to know that there is someone over everything. That there is someone who has power to make things happen, that has power to show just how splendorous and majestic he really is. You know, did you notice the language that was in this psalm? You know, the psalmist first says he's my God and king, just like Paul said that this is the God whom I serve, whom I worship. And he is all of this. And if he says that we're all going to survive, even though you look out into the, the ocean, even though all of the cargo, all of the tackle is gone and we're on this boat, this boat may go down and, and we're going to lose this boat, but not one life is going to be lost because the God whom I serve is great and powerful and good. And the thing is, is what that does is Paul has an opportunity and a platform to proclaim the hope that he has in God. Just like the psalmist is, you know, he says that um, I will, uh, or I shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds. I will declare your greatness. And Lord willing, that is exactly what is going to be happening in churches all over our nation and all over the world, is that they're going to point everyone to the greatness and the the majesty of God himself as we approach this time of year, as we think about Christ taking on flesh, the one who is hope, who was born on that night. And you'll notice there in the, the psalm, it also says, let your face shine. 
You know, verses 1, 3, 7, and 19 of Psalm 80 says, let your face shine. As you take a look at Psalm 80, you'll notice that uh, verses 3, 7, and 19 are repeated exactly because this is actually a, a song. And that's the chorus as you look at each section as you, you read through this. And so the chorus is, is restore us, O God, let your face shine that we might be saved. Let your face shine. Let people see who you are, God, because you bring hope, because you are hope. People need you in a desperate, sinful world full of anxiety and fear and tears and pain and hurt and loss. Let your face shine so that it may illumine our darkened minds and help our hearts to see who you are. That we would not think that we are all alone, that life has no meaning, but instead that there is hope because there is a creator God who is over everything. Kindle in us a desire to live for you, to live so that we do everything to the praise of your glory. So that there will be no ear that has not heard and no eye that has not seen who you are. Let your face shine because your face brings hope. Because you are enthroned above all. You are over all. You are glorious, wondrous, majestic, great, and good. See, that's the things that bring hope to people who are finite, who have very little, if any, control over anything. And here's the God of all who can say, I'm the great shepherd. I am the one who is enthroned on high. I, I do not answer to anyone. I am the one and only God. And I bring hope of salvation. I bring hope of protection and guiding. I will bring provision for you. And third, there is hope in light of the fact that God is the only restorer and savior. Notice in verse 2 there of Psalm 80, it says, Stir up your might and come to save us. So what Asaph is doing as he's writing this is he's not saying, you know, God, you know, just, uh, you know, take the circumstances away. No, he's saying, you know, take and save us. Bring us back to where we need to be so that you can help us see beyond the circumstances to see who you are, to remember that you are that great shepherd, that you are enthroned on high, and that you are the only one capable and able and willing to restore us. Restore us, O Lord, God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. You know, there's nothing more hopeful in knowing that there is salvation coming. You know, after living in Alaska for 17 years and seeing many times where people, because of the weather or because of ill-preparedness or just because of circumstances, found themselves, you know, fighting for their lives because their boat was going down or they were stuck on a mountainside, you know, no hope of anything. And then all of a sudden breaking through the clouds or breaking through the fog or coming across the crest of that wave, 
is a boat of salvation or a helicopter of salvation in the United States Coast Guard. And you know what? Your perspective all of a sudden changes when a moment before you were thinking that this was the end and, you know, am I ready to die? And then hope comes over the horizon to bring uh, to us that salvation that, you know, when you're in those circumstances, you desperately need. need. But see, that's exactly what God has done in Christ. Because we are definitely a world that is sinking or stranded on a mountaintop somewhere. We are a world full of hurt and anger, full of lies and deceit. And people are looking for something to hope in. And the thing is, is that they end up hoping in things in this world, things that are empty, that that don't really truly give them hope. It may be an escape, but see, hope is not just an escape. Okay, hope is salvation. It is restoration, something that only God can do. Verses 17 of 18 of uh, of, uh, Psalm 80 says, uh, But let your hand be on the man of your right hand, the son of man whom you have made strong for yourself. Then we shall not turn back from you. Give us life and we will call upon your name. Now Asaph may have been thinking about the current king of Israel when he penned these words. But it caused me to stop and think, well, wait a minute. Who is the man at God's right hand? That is Jesus Christ. We know from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20, that Jesus is the one seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews 8.1 tells us that he is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty. So is it possible that as Asaph is, is penning this, thinking about the, the current king of Israel, that there is an alluding to the one who is the son of man, who is the one seated at the throne because he is the son of God? See, because Jesus is the restorer, Jesus is the Savior. Hope was born that night. Hope that existed eternally within the Godhead. A hope that every sinner needs. Because Jesus is the only hope of salvation. He is the only hope that we can have our sins forgiven. That we can experience reconciliation with the God who made us. Something that we did not deserve because we are the ones who sinned against God. And we were in a hopeless estate. And the thing is with sin is that it may be, for the moment, very satisfying. But the moments after that, oftentimes regret, oftentimes a realization of the hurt that you caused yourself or others settles in. And a reminder for each one of us as we think that that hope was born that night, that Jesus Christ was born so that he would die. It wasn't so that he could just you know, live a miraculous life. It was so he, that he could walk that final path to offer himself as that once for all sacrifice giving everyone who transgressed against God the hope of no longer standing condemned before the God of all. To be freed from the bondage of sin, to have a hope that goes beyond this life to the life hereafter. 
a hope of eternal life, a hope that the shepherd of the great sheep, as he goes out and gets that one lost sheep and brings it home, brings it back into the fold. The God who is enthroned on high, stepping down through his son, Jesus Christ, to take on flesh, to dwell among us so that he would end up dying, taking my sin and your sin to the cross. To be buried into a tomb, but then to be raised from the dead. To be seated at the right hand of the throne of God as the son of God. The only one qualified to restore, the only one who can save. So how should this inform our lives today? As we think about hope, as we think about the fact that people can only live one second without hope. Well, Jeremiah 17.7 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is is the Lord. Let me say that again. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. So happy is, because remember the word blessed is happy is. So Paul in that boat, in that set of circumstances, surrounded by a bunch of hopeless men who had given up and abandoned all hope, who were trained sailors to be in that particular situation and to be able to fight and to know what to do, had done everything they knew how to do, and had finally given up hope. And that's exactly what needs to happen in relation to us in Christ. There's nothing that we can do. There's nothing left we can can toss out. There's nothing else we can offer. We needed to be saved, to be brought out of our circumstances. The word hope, or the Greek word elpis uh, in uh, Greek, means to anticipate with confident expectation. In other words, it is certain. So the hope that God brings is not something that is going to be fleeting. It's not something that is going to run out of steam because God's hope is eternal because hope is based in who God is. He is hope. Only Jesus is able to give someone a hope of salvation from the bonds of sin. So stop striving, stop trying to find some other way to God because there is no other way. That's why Jesus declared that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through him. There is hope nowhere else. There is hope in no other name under heaven other than Jesus Christ, God's Son. He is the one who can give someone a hope of salvation to be pulled out of the muck and the mire of this world, to be pulled out of their rebellion and uh, deadened state before God. You know, we talk about hope, you know, as if your heart gets ripped out of your chest. Well, think about our heart apart from God. It's a rock. It's hard. It's lifeless. That's why there's no hope. That's why everything that this world has to offer uh, does nothing to change it because only God can give hope. Only God can restore hope. Only Jesus can cause us to be born again to a living hope. It's living because it comes from the God who is 
almighty, eternal, who has always existed, that has no beginning, no end, who was and is and is to come. It's living because it is a hope that is based in a Savior who is alive. He's not dead in the grave. Christianity is not just one of the religions of the world because our Savior's alive. We don't put our hope in men and, and systems of thought that are based in this world because everything that I'm telling you today comes from the truth of the word of God, which he gave to us so that we would know. Only Jesus is the believer's hope as that sure and steadfast anchor of their souls. See, at that moment when Paul was in that boat, he gave those sailors an anchor. Now, whether or not they believed it or not, I have no way of knowing. But there was one person in that boat that believed it. That was the Apostle Paul. He had tasted and seen that God is good. He knew of the greatness of God. He could say that that God is my God and my King. That great is the Lord and his greatness is unsearchable. Are you convinced that way this morning? Do you have a hope like that, that, that sees beyond the circumstances that you're in? Because again, remember the, the clarity of mind, the conviction of heart that Paul had because he was in that same boat with those sailors. All hope of being saved was at last abandoned. But what did Paul say? Take heart. Take heart. Because the God whom I know the God whom I serve, the God whom I worship has told me and I know it's going to happen exactly as he told me it would because he is almighty God and he can make it happen and he will make it happen. Only Jesus is the believer's blessed hope and promised future glory. See, I have a hope of what is yet to come. Is there any doubt? Absolutely not. Because the God who tells me the truth all the time, the God who finds every yes in him, told me through his word, a word that each and every one of you have, that there's no other name under heaven by which men can be saved. That he is the one who brings eternal life. He is the one who takes the wrath of God upon himself. He is the blessed hope. The sad thing is, is that many reject that hope. Content to be on that sinking ship until it sinks. Or on that mountaintop until they freeze to death. Well, finally, as I started out my sermon by quoting from Anonymous, I close with a quote from Anonymous. There is not enough darkness in all the world to put out the light of one small candle. If it was pitch black in here, if all the light outside was completely gone and that candle was lit, 
we would still be able to see. See, that is the hope of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, being born that morning. A light in the darkness. Not by accident, but by God's design from beginning to end. And so my question for you this morning is, do you know the hope, that blessed hope, that can only be had in the Lord Jesus Christ? Because apart from him, you will be hopeless. But through faith and trust in him and him alone, you can have a hope right now, a living hope, but also a blessed hope and a promised future glory. So ask yourself this morning, what are you going to do with the hope of Christmas? What are you going to do with the Son of God? Are you going to reject him as many have? Saying that that's just a bunch of fairy tales, that's not the truth. Are you going to embrace it and believe it as the only truth there is? Let's bow for a closing word of prayer. Gracious Father, Lord, we thank you for hope. Lord, we are surrounded and in a world full of hopeless people who seek to fill that hope through the things of this world, through power, through money, through uh, sexual desire, uh, through alcohol, through drugs, through the abuse of others. Uh, Lord, there is a lot of hopeless people doing a lot of hopeless things. But then hope was born that night when you sent your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to take on flesh so that he may dwell among us, so that he could tell us the truth. So that we would know that your word is truth, sanctify us in that truth. So that we could be freed from the bondage of sin through faith and trust in Christ alone. That his reason for coming was not just to show off Instead, he humbled himself as a servant, humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross, a symbol of shame, a death of someone who is guilty of breaking the law. And the Son of God never broke man's law, never broke your law. Instead, he fulfilled it completely. He did what we could not do in the weakness of our flesh, in the hopeless estate that we found ourselves in. We needed a restorer. We needed a savior. We need a shepherd to guide us home. And so, Father, Lord, I pray for each believer here today that they would be encouraged that you as the great shepherd, the provider, the um, protector, and the guide will bring them home. And that in the meantime, they have a living hope in the Lord Jesus Christ that you've given us everything pertaining to life and godliness so that we may be able to live in this world to be lights as your son was the light. 
that the world rejected. But by your grace, we've had our eyes open and believe. We have that hope. And we have a hope of what is yet to come, that one day our faith will be made sight and we'll be in the presence of God forever. But Lord, I also pray for those who don't know you this morning, that maybe they came to church because it is the, uh, coming into that time towards the end of the year. Maybe they're just searching. May they search no more. Because Jesus Christ, your son, is the hope they are looking for. And Father, I pray that you would give them the gift of faith for them to be able to see and to believe and to trust in your son for salvation today. So that they no longer need to walk around this world feeling overwhelmed, full of fear, anxiety, and hopelessness. But instead can trust the God who is over all, above all, who is great and mighty and good. And and receive that freedom from sin so that they may experience and live that hope until the day you bring them home as well. Father, thank you for salvation. Thank you for the hope we have in your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.